Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hello and welcome to Dish Island. I'm Paul Verhoeven. And I'm devastated. I'm just devastated, Paul. (laughs) Oh, it's the oven, isn't it? Ah. It's like a death in the family. It is like a death in the family. Except unlike a death in the family, we can hire a strange man to come and bring it back to life. (laughs) Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Dish Island. My name is Tegan and I am legitimately devastated because on Sunday, while halfway through my weekly food prep, which I really try to stick to on a Sunday or Mm. else the whole week of eating topples, I was was roasting some vegetables and suddenly the oven just made this noise that went... Boom. It was more like sounded like the Death Star powering down, basically, and um, it's died. The oven's died. I've tried fixing it in all the ways I know. I've tried hitting it. I've tried yelling. pressing buttons. I've tried yelling at it. I've, I've threatened it, and it's it's just not coming back on. And we think. It may be dead dead, like not coming back dead. It turns out that ovens are like sports cars and that I can't drive either of them. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. There are people that repair this specific brand of oven, but they charge a lot of money because How they... much? Have you looked? It's like a lot. What is a lot? It's like a couple of thousand. What? Well, to fix the oven? Well, I think they might... Uh, that's like the Where op- did you get that information from? I was just doing some Googling. Look... I think the problem here is that it's quite a specialised piece of equipment and they can't tell you how elaborate they're going to need to get until they get here. It could be a new bulb, in which case they won't charge it's you. It's not a bulb. It's pretty bad. It's not a <laughs> It's not a bulb. I know it's not a bulb. Within my heart of hearts, I know it's not a bulb. Well. But suddenly, you know when you take something for granted, you just don't know what you've got till it's gone? Suddenly, we are in the middle of winter and I am... Without the possibility of breads, biscuits, and another roast B word. Vegetables. <laughs> Here's what I like though. A couple of uh, about a month ago, mm. our heater died. Yes. And this was just it became Dickensian. It, oh. And I'm should worried. I tell the story. What story? The story of the heater. Uh, oh, God. Do you want to tell it at the end of the episode or now? It's a really great story. Okay, you know what? I've never hooked a hook like this before. I actually want to introduce you all to our guest because she's so magnificent. And I'm so excited to chat with her and, and share her incredible stories. But trust me, folks, you also want to stick around to the very, very, very end of the episode because this story about us getting the heater fixed, I know that sounds boring, but it's wild. Well, as you mentioned, our guest is absolutely incredible. You may know her from just 
so many things Cameron Crowe's iconic say anything. She was in Wayne's World. She was in One Night Stand. She was in Arrested Development. She was in Private Practice Fever Pitch. And she's in the new NBC series La Brea, in which a weird sinkhole opens up in Los Angeles and sends people hurtling down to an unbelievably dangerous place on the other side of the world, which is funny because she now lives between here and LA. (laughs) Her new podcast with husband Ben Lee is called Weirder Together with Ben Lee and Ioni Sky. I've said her name like 19 times, but I'll say it again. Please welcome to Dish Island, Ioni Sky. Okay, welcome to Dish Island, Ioni. Thank you so much for joining us. So first of all, are you a foodie? How do you feel about food? Because we've had a few guests on the show who rock up to this food podcast and are like, eh, I don't really like food. <laughs> like, what are your feelings on food? I don't understand that. I love food. Love. I am for sure a foodie. I don't know if I've always been a foodie, but I'm definitely, by the time that term became a term, I'm, I'm, I love food. Because you were born in England, right? I was born in England, and maybe at the time the food probably wasn't great there, but since, you know, I traveled around, I don't know. I love food. Oh. Yeah, and I love that when in Rome, like, thing where you go places and you go and get, like, whatever their thing is. Like, the first time I came to Australia and Ben gave me, my husband gave me, um, yogurt and passion fruit which sounds simple but in the states passion fruit is like really hard to find and it's usually like shriveled and it's not that juicy and just having that first greek yogurt and the passion fruit i was like why don't we take this back to the states and make it a thing but i i love hearing you talk so passionately about well passion fruit um because it's it's one of those fun memories for me in my childhood and that my dad planted a passion fruit vine and he thought that there was something wrong with it because there would be this green fruit and then it would start turning and it would get to a point where it was nearly dark purple and then the fruit kept vanishing and he was like ah this tree this damn vine and it was because when I'd get home from school I'd sneak out to the driveway where the vine was and just sit there cutting open all the passion fruit and eating them and driving my poor father insane and it's one of those he still mentions it because it kills him. Um, but I, I now forever hold passion fruits as this special forbidden treasure of Forbidden my fruit. Yeah. Forbidden I mean, fruit. they're so good. It's like perfumey and oh man, yeah, they're just amazing. Are there things like that? I mean, you're a foodie now, but when you think back to when you were growing up and you were moving around so much, are there those foods that you just go, oh God, I used to love that? My favorite, probably hands down, I mean, I just love bread and butter or bread and cheese is like my favorite thing. So anything kind of with, you know, toast involved, I'm in. Yeah, we have had quite a few guests come on and Really, when it all boils down to it, bread is a very happy place for it a lot really of people. It really is. I know it's like, you know, but I think if it's good bread, I don't know. It's just sort of, you know, it's good. I was going to ask you if during lockdown uh, you did what most people in Australia did, which is start making your own sourdough, but oh, yeah. you were still working throughout lockdown. Is that right? I was a bit. We made bread, but we didn't do the sourdough thing. We just were made. We Oh, my kid, my 12-year-old was making making bread and then she started she sold it and she sold she would sell out like crazy because it was just just you know cute yeah put a kid outside selling something I mean everyone was buying this little bread she made that's so lovely do you think that there's a future for her in baking if she opened a bake <laughs> if she became like a full-blown patissier would you be happy or would you expect her to kind of follow in your footsteps 
I mean, I'd be happy, you know, it sounds so cliche, but I'd be happy with whatever she's happy with. You know how they say that. But yeah, I mean, Ben, my husband's mother at one point, had a bakery and she, it was pretty hard. Oh. You have to wake up like at like four in the morning. And mm. I think it's like, yeah, it's a lot of things are harder than they look. But yeah, of course, if she was happy doing it, I'd be so happy. That's really sweet. I mean, speaking of Ben, and you mentioned that he introduced you to passion fruit and yogurt when you you know got together. I'm very curious because I have distinct memories of specific foods that Tegan and I tried and sort of food was a really big part of our of our love story, right? So we met and we got married and that's how like food became a big, big aspect of that because we're both absolute pigs and we eat a lot of food. <laughs> um, so I'm curious as to what role food played in you two getting together. And actually, how did you get together? Is it a cute story or? Yeah, I think it's a cute story. Um, we got together. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. He, my ex-husband was in, in a band because I seem to always love a, a musician partner, but Ben was on their label, this uh, the Beastie Boys label, and I, I knew of him, and he was I, so I admired him. But he was like this. He, I'm eight years older, so at the time he was, you know, like a, you know, fourteen, fifteen, however old he was when America also like he was hot here too. In the in a certain world, you would know who he was. Mm-hmm. And then like when he was eighteen, he spent the night on Christmas Eve because my I was single and my best friend and her boyfriend were, were having a cute little Christmas Eve hang hang and she was sleeping over and he didn't have anywhere to go in LA because everyone was like kind of out of town or some or with their family. So my best friend's boyfriend was like, Hey, can I bring Ben Lee over to hang? And we didn't, we were at that point, we didn't ha- hook up because he was like 18 and I was this like divorcee 26 year old. <laughs> but, um, but like 10 years later, we both like the right place, right time. We had like kind of kept in touch. But if you had told me back then, like we would end up together, it would have been like, that is not, I can't even imagine that happening because it was just didn't see, you know, our age gap or whatever. Mm. But then it was just so great. We were both single and like looking to you know partner up but yeah i think food i just know that it I, it's very sensual and i like anytime we're in a nice restaurant eating nice food or at home if we have like really good food it just may it really is an aphrodisiac so i do think food is like if you've eaten really nice food you just like you know end up sitting on each other's laps and cuddling and you know you just feel so good and so i think i don't know i just think food is for sure part of romance there's a lot of people that say that eating oysters you know look let's be honest they say that eating oysters makes you horny and i was curious it's an aphrodisiac yeah and like strawberry i think just good food is i mean it might be there might be a chemical thing or something but or maybe because it's slimy i don't know reminds you something but um (laughs) I think just like really yummy food and just enjoy it. Well, it like opens up your senses and you're eating. I just think like yummy food. And if you're also if you're making eating like when you're at a nice restaurant, you you know, the ambiance and everything or if you're whatever, al fresco outside somewhere beautiful, like I think it just puts you in a very, it can make you feel just relaxed and like kind of happy and your senses are open. First of all, I think that story of Lonely Christmas Boy is just <laughs> so cute. I actually think that's really, really lovely. Lonely Jewish Christmas Boy. <laughs> Lonely Jewish Christmas Boy. <laughs> but 
it's really funny because we had a guest on a few weeks back, Gary, Gary Megan. He's a chef. He's wonderful. And um, he just mentioned the smallest thing, which was, you know, that he stopped taking, get, getting takeaway coffees and he always sits in the cafe. Oh, and so Paul and I... I love that. Yeah. And Paul and I started doing this. The so first thing, as soon as this cafe around the corner from us opens, literally we'll be there, you know, at the windows waiting for caffeine. But then we make sure that we've gone in and sat down and we realized it's just another moment in the mornings now where I'm not on my phone checking the train schedules wondering where I'll need to get going for work or he's not jumping into writing and it's just food it's not only so romantic and I agree with everything you said but it's one of those few things if you're really focusing on your food where you can be with your partner without technology and work and I think that that combination is so exciting yes I know I love seeing in movies I just was like re-watching The Godfather or like whenever they're drinking like an espresso or having whatever a whiskey or food especially in Italians eating food in movies but yeah sitting down and having a coffee also yeah I had a friend who thought it was tacky or something all the celebrities like walking around with their coffees or something and and like I'm not snobby but I can see like certain things look yeah, you take it for granted and you're just like walking around with a cup all the time. Yeah, Tegan's got a weird thing about walking around with a certain type of food. She doesn't like... <laughs> Tegan, you think eating a banana in public is rude. <laughs> I I have weird, weird things like that. I mean, sometimes we're... The way I grew up, because I have a, a daughter who's now like 20, and then I, we have Goldie. She's from another partner. And so it was never this big family. I like sort of raised her and then I had Goldie and... I never did the sitting down with the family. And often we would be like, I was like, we're like college students. We're just standing in the kitchen eating like, mm. or sitting. And I don't know, there's something fine about that. But like, yeah, I have certain cringy things of walking around doing things in public where that like are weirdly embarrassing. Yes, well, we can bond. We'll, we'll get a whole <laughs> list going together. My dad, uh, he grew up in a household where they never ate together as well. So his whole thing, he just, he always wants to try and get the whole family around the table. And a lot of the time, because you're dealing with kids and, you know, families, there's always something going on. I'd say 80% of the time, it's objectively not a good thing. Yeah. Like this group of people should not be at one table. Yeah. Like this. But occasionally it does click and you do get those moments where you go, wow, that was... That was a really special thing. That was cool. Yeah, it's often very chaotic with family. <laughs> I mean, that's why sometimes they have a kids' table for from when you know we have Thanksgiving in the states. Or yeah, sometimes it's good chaotic, but sometimes I th- I think that's why friends and when friends go out to eat, it can be more fun than family sitting around. But it, family can be kind of like oh, crazy. <laughs> what what sort of vibe are you trying to build? here in Australia with your family because I I know that you're staying here now is that right do we get you forever well we have now we're officially like two we have sort of two homes which has been the dream and usually the two homes are the ideal two homes you would say would be city and country if you Mm. can afford it or if that's you know but for us because Ben being from Australia our two homes are Sydney, LA, which I have to say is not the worst case scenario. So we really are, it's getting more and more half-half as time goes on. Speaking of being kind of stuck at two opposite ends of the world, I mean, La Brea is the show that you shot back in 2021. It was May to September-ish, wasn't it? You shot yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. So 
That's about a huge freaky sinkhole opening in the middle of LA, and I think it's named after the La Brea Tar Pits. I love the La Brea Tar Pits. I know, yes. you got so excited about them. I got so I well. I I'd taken a lot of very strong painkillers, Ioni, and I was wandering ah, around. And I, I love that. I didn't have any context, and I just went, "What is that smell?" And I wandered into the Tar Pits. And but you got so excited. I, yeah. I was so excited. But basically, it is a portal that opens in LA that leads you to sort of like a weird prehistoric world underneath. So, I mean, oh. if you could, because the commute from LA, <laughs> oh yeah, to, it's not good. Are you, no. are you trying to bring up like well, well-placed sinkholes? Is that what you're moving towards? Uh, wouldn't that be the best? I God. feel like there was a, a Stephen King short story about transporting and and everybody wouldn't it, you know everybody would love that but we usually luckily ben will have one show a year that probably would pay for a ticket just the one show so it's like nice just like i mean often he will come and work and the family won't come because it's mm-hmm. like uh just go make the money and come back to la or whatever but it's working out now where there's often one show that'll help with those flights <laughs> but yeah you know but it's funny when growing up you think down you know australia's down under it's the farthest place in the world but it's not as far as other places to la but we're bit we've been brainwashed to think it's the farthest place you can go how are you on flights are you a good flyer and do you partake of the uh in-flight catering because i i've i've always felt that it's a bit like going on a camping trip in the sky and everyone around me looking physically angry at the bad food doesn't seem to agree but how are you at the whole jet setting thing i've had to work very hard i mean when i was a kid i i you know it was sort of exciting and weird and then i went through a period of just feeling like not claustrophobic physically but just dreading just I I would just go into like a lot of anxiety of just the long flight and this and that Mm. and now I I just sort of I get into it I kind of it's such a different experience that you're sort of I find what I'm interested in reading or watching or doing or thinking about is different on a flight than a normal time so I sort of now I'm just sort of like oh it's just a whole other bizarro time and your men- your mentality is sort of completely different when you're flying so I don't know I'm getting better I had a terrible period of hating it I make weird different choices on flights as well and I wonder why that is like I'll always pick a book that I'd never read at home or start yeah. watching films that I'd uh-huh. never watch at home and always crying like I was yeah. beside myself watching Hook on the last flight that I was right. on but uh, yeah, yeah I wonder why we do that no, it's no, so no. strange it's like international waters right you want to you want to go out to international waters and you want to hunt man and you want to do all the weird kind of illegal shit it's like when you're in the sky you do the things that you normally wouldn't even bother doing, right? Yeah. Because you know that the flight is so inherently unpleasant and loud and weird that it would compromise the book you actually want to read or the film you right. actually want to watch, right? Maybe, yeah. There have been theories about the whole thing and that, yeah, I, I agree. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, hey, you've just started this new podcast 
uh, with your husband and I'm sitting here across from my husband podcasting. It's That's a it's, weird name. It's terrible. It's the worst thing I've ever decided. No, it's fine. Uh, I enjoy podcast. How are you finding the podcasting experience? I love it. I love it so much. I mean, I think I knew I would like it, but it's uh, it's just great. I mean, it's so funny because I've seen myself as an actor on screen or, you you know, I've heard my voice before, but I was saying to Ben, do I put on an accent when I'm doing the podcast? And he was like, no. But uh, I w- it's funny listening back when we're sort of editing and it just, I feel like I sound a little different, but I love talking to him. It's also timed out where we seem to do it after busy being sort of a little bit away from one another. And I know it does kind of feel like a funny date. Like I, I really like it. It does feel like we're getting to hear you guys on a date. And sometimes you'll just be chatting about anything. And then occasionally you start getting into really, you know, meaty territory. And it feels um, <laughs> feels quite privileged to be able to be part of that conversation, you know. Oh, <laughs> slightly, I feel also slightly voyeuristic, like, oh, my God, what are they going to say next? <laughs> no, it's great. This last one, it's, I, it's pretty funny. As a performer, though, do you find that, look, being on camera, you are and having a big crew around, you're probably acutely aware of the fact that you are on and that you are in performance mode. Are you finding that you are forgetting you are, you know, being recorded and that you're kind of slipping into the way you actually talk as a couple, you and Ben? I mean, I think I want it to be like that. So I'm just letting it be like that. Uh, And I'm taking for granted that people don't know what we're like. It's almost like this, not inflated thing, but as as if I think everyone knows how I sound or how I think or what Mm -hmm. I'm like. It's just a funny thing. Not that I think I'm like very famous at all, which which I don't. It's more just, I, I think I've never felt afraid to be in interviews. I'm, you know, I just sort of tell all and I trust myself. And also, you know, I trust that I'm not going to, you know, dig myself in a hole and that I won't be mean and look back and think, oh, did I tell a story about somebody that I made them sound bad? And also with, uh, you know, you can edit out things that could go awry. I like yeah. it. I like I like vulnerable. I, I like being vulnerable and I do want to entertain people and, you know, I like the attention. How do you find working with someone else who is a creative? Because, you know, I've noticed that a lot of people in the creative field tend to, I don't know, it's it, it's weird. There's there's a competitiveness. There's a kind of there's all these interesting dynamics going on when you are working opposite someone who is, you know, a creative as well who like makes things. Do you have any advice for people who are in relationships with people who do ostensibly something very similar to them? And how do you find it working uh, working with Ben, not just being in a relationship with him? I mean, I love we love working together, uh, yeah. but I think having i've never had a an actor partner because Mm. i think i don't know if it's because i just my father's a musician and i just am drawn to music in a very deep way or something but i'm happy that i'm not with an actor because i can imagine that would feel really difficult um and i think the time apart is is quite difficult sometimes in any relationship, whether you're in the in, you know industry or not, but I think something about him doing something creative, but not the same exact thing that I'm doing, because mm. um, I'm very competitive. I mean, I'm competitive with Ben anyway. Mm. Like we took up tennis at the same time, and he got way better than me 
faster and I was so annoyed and um you know so I'm competitive but I think I'm getting used to my competitive feelings in general but I think it just it really helps that you know I'm not like a musician as well I think I completely understand what you're saying sometimes Paul and I we are working on exactly the same things not only the podcast occasionally we'll be writing projects at the same time or you know we are we both you know dabble in not dabble you're a published author Paul you didn't (laughs) (laughs) but you know we both write and it can I find that those areas where we are overlapping the most are not horrible but they I guess they do get more we need to be more conscious about how we navigate around each other we had that big blowout during our interpretive dance entry ah yeah yeah you got scored so much higher than me that's right because I can (laughs) kick a lot higher than you I only this is none of this is true we don't dance together but yeah I mean do you find it have you found it a really like rewarding experience like and has it helped your relationship evolve further yeah for sure like just doing this I mean we've collaborated on I've made you know music videos with him and I did some for other bands that he sort of helped me on a little and I think that we're very good at helping each other with our career and and in life I mean you know we fight and we have disagreements and we trigger each other and all of that but I do. The podcast has been one of the most sort of enjoyable things that we've done together. Well, there's actually a bit of a weird twist here, Ioni, and that is that this podcast takes place on a fictional island, and basically you are trapped here, and you have been allowed to bring one dish with you, your desert island dish. So what is the one dish that you would eat for the rest of eternity? It can be literally anything. It can be made of anything from anywhere. It will appear before you magically. You can cook it yourself. The world is your oyster. What is your desert island dish? I mean, I'm thinking very practically like a well-balanced meal. So I would have to say a type of sort of warm bowl. It sounds so boring and, and silly, but like if it was the last one, and mm. I would want fruits and vegetables and cheese and something warm aspect, but something also not warm. Like I, to, in order to tick off enough boxes, I would say it would be like one of those, you know, bowls you get these days. It sounds so like not like exciting, a, but like, like a poke with, bowl kind of thing, or yeah, like something like that that you can, or or yeah, like a salad bowl. It sounds so. I mean, the fun answer would probably be lasagna, but I'm like <laughs> I'm like taking it seriously that it's this is really the last bowl of or food I can have. You um, see, I I like this way of thinking. I think this is strategic and good. Right, very strategic. Just you've got like let's say a grain of some sort of rice and then you but you have you get to fill it up I'm, I'm like that I'm just like being greedy put she's there's a buffet you've got a bowl and those ones that you put the salad and then the rice and maybe you know some cheese and just like get one of those yummy kind of a little little warm but with a little bit of fresh veggie on there just for for help for just to bet well balanced get it all but but not the best it's not my favorite in life though that's not my favorite dish in life well what because the thing I love about bowls and salads and I was talking with a friend at work just the other day because I'd made a salad and if you can't see I'm (laughs) I'm you know and really it wasn't it was just a load of unhealthy food and a leaf yeah I made it a salad yes yes (laughs) I know. I love, I'm like, I, I like, I love a salad with a meal, but when I'm getting those bowls, I'm like, mm, I want cheese. I don't want just, you know, yeah. I want a little bread in there. Like I never just want the 
you know, the little bit of whatever, fish and salad or whatever. Well, I think, I mean, I think it's practical and I do love the strategy. I really do. <laughs> it's a strategy. I feel like I'm strategy. But yeah, it's not the most beautiful, like my most. What's the one that you yeah, love mean, the most? I think I am a big fan of like, just like a farmer's lunch. Like a, the, again, back, to, let's go back to the bread and the cheese and have a little mustard and a cold beer or, you know, I love a, whatever you're having on a train, like that food, but it's really good, good quality. What are they called? It's a plowman's platter. Is that what you kind of, yes. Yes, yes. And if you could have a plowman's platter with just like the best ingredients, you know, so it's not like from a, you know what I mean? Like not really from a train because when you really get them from a train, they're kind of packaged and like cold and weird but the a real plowman's lunch oh the good one that's on a huge wooden paddle right yes. so, now here's the thing if you have that appear before you magically every day what you do is you uh. keep the paddles huh? and then you, you strap and you them paddle glasses. back <laughs> <laughs> it's strategic give it like a month and you've got yes. a boat it's strategic. Oh, my God. No, I, I, I like this, but I'm also feeling that, I mean, it's almost as balanced as the poke bowl. Yeah, that's mm. right. You know, that's you've, right. You've got your carb. There's yeah. a bit of protein in and there. And sometimes some... you get a grape, a couple grapes on there, apples. Yeah. Just do a really honey, loaded chutney or something. Chutney, you know I mean? mustard. Yes. Oh, my God, I'm hungry A little now. wine or a beer, yeah. I know now. Yeah, I'm I think it's got to be this over okay. the salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm so literal. I'm like, we're really doing this. I really have to think about it. Well, no one ever thinks about nutrition on this challenge ever. You're the first one to go, hmm, what do I need to survive? But, but no, the, I think this plowman's platter, not yes. only delicious, but balanced and quite dignified yeah. with a means of escape attached. I mean, it really is a, yeah. <laughs> a perfectly rounded meal. You know what was wild about that chat, Paul? What? Was Ione saying things like, I don't think I'm that famous. And I just had to stick my fist in my mouth, not wanting to yell, you're the most exciting famous person we've had on the show. Oh, my God. She's so monstrously famous and well-traveled. But so down to earth and so lovely. Just the best. Oh, I want to have a plowman's platter with Ione Sky. You know what I want? What? I want to hear your heater story. Oh, God, that's right. I forgot. Is there something about this story I don't know? No, I think, oh, actually, there might be because I was so traumatised on the night that I may not have filled you in with all of the details. Oh, that's right. So I was in Sydney. Okay, I'll, these... I'll, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll tell the story. I'll okay. tell the story. Okay. <clears throat> You'd be forgiven for thinking that this story is going to be exceptionally dull because it starts with a mouldy wall heater. Mm. At the very beginning of the cold snap that struck here in Melbourne, Paul and I went to turn on the heater and it did that little thing where the flaps came down. And I looked in and just went, why are they black? And then we, we got up on a chair and I looked properly into the heater and I realized it was filled with mold, yep. this horrible black mold throughout the whole thing. And all I thought was, oh, my God, Brittany Murphy died because there was mold in her house. We're going to die. Oh, my God. Hang on. For, before we get back to the story, is that true? Yes. Really? You know, the Brit Brittany Murphy, the actress. I don't think it was black mold. No. It? Yeah, it was in her house. It got into her lungs, made her sick, died. Did yeah. it really? Yes. That motherfucker. I just looked this up. A Los Angeles County Department of Health confirmed at the time that mold was considered the possible cause of Murphy's death. Oh, my God. Yeah, because she lived in... Anyway, anyway, that's what I thought when I saw the mold. I went, that's not good. So Paul and I 
We toyed for about five minutes with the idea of cleaning this heater ourselves. We took off the little case and just went, no, nope. eh, we don't know what to do. It was, like eh. a, it was like a coral reef. It was horrifying. It was so bad. I feel sick talking about so it. So bad. I was already sick. So we're like, what if it, the mold is already making me sick? We decided to call a professional. Yep. This guy was clearly busy, so the only time he was able to come out to the house was when Paul was in Sydney uh, interviewing the cast of Stranger Things, actually. I think it was actually... Oh, yeah, that's right. This all happened, actually, just... Because this happened literally while I was talking to the cast of Stranger Things. Now, in Stranger Things, there is a weird... There are spores. There are, like, disgusting spores that infect people and turn them into monsters. So as I'm talking to the cast of Stranger Things in a hotel suite in Sydney, you were back at the apartment doing what? Well, hang on. I just have to add now another small layer to this story. Oh, God. The guy who was coming to fix the heater yep. said that he needed uh, somewhere to park. We live in an apartment with numbered underground parking, so we only have access to our space. Mm-hmm. The day before, I had lent my car to my friend. He borrowed the car, brought it back, left the lights on overnight, so when I went to move the car, the battery was dead. You make fun of him, but he's scared of the dark and he needed those lights, David. <laughs> he just turned them on and pointed at the house. So I'm, I'm working. I have a lot of work happening on this day. I know the heater guy is meant to be coming at 3 o'clock and I can't move the car, so I called the heater guy when he was close by and I said, hey, look, I'm so sorry about this, um, but I can't move my car from the underground parking. Is it is it okay if you just do street parking? And he's like, oh, no, not really, actually. I, I, I really can't do street parking. And I was like, oh, um, gosh, I, I will come out and find you on the street and help you lift your gear back inside if there's a lot of gear. And he's like, oh, no, I, I'd really prefer it if I could park near the building. If not, let's, let's reschedule. And I went, whoa, 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 no, 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 let's not reschedule. Give me a second. I called up the building to see if I could have access to any other car spaces. I then called RACV to see if they could come and fix the battery so I could move the car. All of this while I'm juggling two jobs. Things are getting stressful and weird. I called back the heater guy and I said, I'm so sorry. Um, I've tried everything, but really there's, there's street parking really close by. By this stage, he was already late by about half an hour, So, which I didn't care about. He's a tradie. I didn't expect him to be on time. And he's gone, no, I, I can't find street parking. You know what, let's, let's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll rearrange it. I said, so you are in the area? And he said, yep, yep, I'm in the area. I said, I, I just, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be pushy, but if you're in the area, I don't want you to leave. If you're in the area, really, I'll come and help you. By this stage, though, I don't know. I'm feeling weird. I didn't know why the car space was such an issue for him. And Genuinely, you can always find street parking in our area. Maybe he just has really high standards. <laughs> I don't know. Like, baby, I'm worth it. Yeah, so then he says, fine, fine, fine. Leave it with me. I'll try again to find a park close to your house. Yeah. 20 minutes later or more, I haven't heard back from him. So I figure that he's just driven off. It's all getting really strange until I hear a buzz downstairs and he's at the, f- the front of the building. I was like, okay, cool. I go downstairs and he's a lovely young bloke. So all of this kind of weirdness, I thought, oh, maybe that was just in my head. He's this really nice young guy. Um, he was from the UK. He'd recently emigrated out. Took him upstairs, showed him the heater. And then as soon as he was in the apartment, he's gone, can I use your bathroom? And I was like, yeah, sure. It's just over there. Now, heads up, we don't have a really big apartment. It's it's a really small place. So there is the bathroom and the table that I was working at was kind of just a couple of metres from the bathroom door. Within earshot, you might say. So he's gone into the bathroom and was in there for a while. Okay, he's in there for a while. So I'm sitting there at the desk going, it is likely that he's doing number twos, but you know what? He can both be an adult. 
be an adult. It's fine. This isn't a problem. So he came back out. I just, when I'm nervous, I just overdo it with the the the, the pleasantries. So I was like, oh, hey, where are you come from? Oh, that's really nice. You're going to see football yet? Oh, my God. So just talking at him. So it's not weird. Trying to make him feel comfortable. Then he starts actually trying to clean the heater. And over the course of the next, say, I don't know, 70 minutes that he was there doing his job, he had to run into the bathroom three times to do what can only be described as aggressively loud shits. The guy clearly (laughs) has gastro. Yeah. And was trying, now I'm realising, to quit, to to avoid coming to the house to do the cleaning and was using the parking as an excuse. Oh. But yeah, right, because he had an upset belly, at which point I'm sitting there going, oh my God, why didn't you just tell me? Because now I'm sitting here silently trying to avoid the fact that you sound like you're pooing out your insides in there. And he kept coming out and I was like, do I put on music? If I put on music now, it's going to be obvious and it's going to make it even more awkward. Yeah. So then I start having pretend phone conversations with somebody who's not there, like just answering nobody on my phone being like, oh yeah, I'll get you those papers straight away. Just talking really loud, like an absolute asshole. Anyway, finally he finishes the job, does a- Which one? The heat is clean. Okay, great. We're no longer able to make eye contact. And I just got him out of the house as quickly as possible, walked straight to the Woolworths to buy Glen 20. And then for the next three hours, just kept on opening the door a crack, Glen 20 as much as I could, closing yeah. it, just kind of trying to turn it into a an antiseptic hub in there. But my God, um, I have never had a more embarrassing encounter with somebody in my own home. I find it ironic that a man hired to come and clean something that purifies the air has just spent 90 minutes filling it with shit crystals. So now I'm worried. I mean, now we've got to have somebody around to come and clean out the oven. What's it going to be this time? It's the same guy. (laughs) Hey, I'm sorry. I don't feel great. Can you, you know what? Go in a bag. I just wish he'd cancelled. Oh, bless his cotton sucks. What we've done is we've done a food podcast and finished it off with some pretty gross stuff. So, Uh, you know what? Sometimes it's important to not eat. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening to a thoroughly confusing but mostly lovely episode of Dish Island. Next week, our guest is Ben Lee, the absolutely iconic Ben Lee. We had to tell you who it is because it's kind of part two of this week's episode. So thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. And in the meantime, don't forget, eat eat your veggies. veggies. Maybe. And light a match. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.